We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And tonight's loss was the Wolves' eighth consecutive L. A 19-point loss to the Phoenix Suns, which means now four straight losses under Saunders before he was let go, and then four in a row under Finch. And this just isn't working. We're now 11 games since Cat returned from COVID. We need to start by discussing how Cat's presence has not improved this Wolves team. In those 11 games, the Wolves are 1-10. Over that stretch of games, the Wolves rank 26th in offense, 23rd in defense, which gives them the fourth-worst point differential in the NBA. They are 27th in net rating, which is actually worse than the 11 games prior to Cat's return. The Wolves were 3-8 and eight over that stretch. They ranked 27th in offense, 13th on defense. They were above average for that stretch, and they were 24th in net rating. The Wolves' offense has actually gotten worse since Cat returned in terms of offensive rating, and the defense has gotten substantially worse. Obviously, with this recent run, there you know are excuses to point to. You know, Delo's out. Beasley has now been suspended for two of those eleven games, and of course, there's the coaching change. But I think when we compare that to the eleven games prior to Cat's return, it's not like that stretch didn't have excuses too. I mean. We are making those, too. Cat was obviously out. That was an excuse. D'Lo missed four of those 11 games, too. So what is exactly going on right now? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think we really need numbers to answer that. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. It's just that a losing culture is just sort of starting to sink in. Or at a minimum, a winning culture certainly isn't developing. This is really starting to feel like the process Sixers. 
where, you know, winning almost isn't really possible. Or at least, you know, it certainly isn't the expectation as we go into every one of these games. Um, as Ricky Rubio talked after the game, he actually cited the process post-game and um, when he was just asked about this team's culture. Ricky, how hard is it to build winning habits or a winning culture when there isn't much evidence of success? It's easy to get lost in that transition. Um, there is an evidence that it may work, like it happened with Philadelphia, I guess. Trust the process when they went like two or three years uh, really bad and then they start winning. But um, I kind of don't believe in that kind of system. Uh, you had to build uh, good habits uh, from day one. And I don't think uh, we are in the right way, to be honest. And um, I can be here and be positive, and like we're trying to be, and, and it's it's okay. Uh, but we we have the worst record in the league. Um, we lost way too many games by 20 plus, and um, I don't feel like this is building something. Um, it's hard. It's, 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 you always have to take positive things. And of course we will watch film, get better. But uh, at one point we got to start doing or start uh, wanting to change something. And it's, it's not happening. At some point, if that's the reality that Ricky Rubio is pointing out, I mean, this just comes down to, to leadership. In the first year of the process, the, the process process, the Sixers, in their 35 games of that season, they went 12 and 23. The Wolves are now 35 games into this season, and they are 7 and 28. The players who played the most on that Sixers team that year were Thad Young, Michael Carter Williams, James Anderson, and Evan Turner. The Timberwolves have more talent than that. And for the Wolves to be 7 and 28, it's on that talent. It's on Cat and D'Lo. You know, we often do the whole, oh, Cat and D'Lo have only played four games together this season thing. Well, this is the other side of the coin, too. It's not like they haven't played. At least one of the two of them have played in 27 of the 35 games this year. That they've only won six of those 27 games is, you know, it's either a big indictment of them as individual players, or at a minimum, it's an indictment of them as players who drive winning. And I think we did this whole thing where we let the idea kind of sail that D'Lo is a player who drives winning. But I mean... What about Cat? I mean, yes, his individual statistics suggest that he drives win shares, right? But Cat is now 4-30 and 30 in the past 34 games he's played in for the Timberwolves. He's lost 30 of the past 34 games he's played in. I'm not saying other things aren't to blame for that, but we've blamed them. You know, people were calling for Saunders' head all season. You know, people bag on Ant's efficiency. People roast Culver and Okogie. People say Rubio is washed, Wancho, Lehman, down the line. Well, what about Cat? I mean, Cat is a special talent, no doubt. And we're watching these games. We see it. He does things on the floor that other players his size just can't do. But he also isn't winning at all. I mean, how many players in the league can you sub in for Cat over these past 34 games he's played in over the past two seasons and expect more than four wins? I mean, the answer is a lot. Obviously, you know, it's the Jokic and Bede, Anthony Davis. Like, those guys win a lot more than 34, four of 
the 34 games if they were in surrounded by the guys that Cat's been surrounded by? No doubt. But you know, what about even a step down from that? The Wolves win more than four of 34 games of the Colbert with Bam. I mean, run down the list of bigs. I mean, what about Nikola Vucevic? He's playing with just as little as Cat is in Orlando, right? Honestly, have you watched a Magic game recently? He might actually have worse teammates. You know what the Magic's record is this year? They've actually played exactly 34 games. They're 13-21. and 21. Again, Cat has had a mess around him for his past 34 games, but he's 4-30. and 30. And if you're a star in this league, not, not even just a superstar, just a star, it doesn't matter who is coaching you. It doesn't matter how young the guys are around you. You don't lose 30 of 34 games. Cat's got to take some blame for that. I mean, because we've established the coach was bad. We've established the surrounding pieces are a mess. But they're not four wins in 34 games bad. I'm sorry, they're just, they're just not. Do you know when the last time the Timberwolves won even five games in a stretch of 10 games was? It was the middle of last season. The middle. Way before the trade deadline. It was, it was actually, to be exact, from December 21st, 2019 through January 9th, 2020. The Wolves went 5-5 five and five over that stretch. And over that run, they ranked 29th on offense, but they ranked second on defense. That's the last time the Wolves were decent, run through chunks of time. You know who didn't play at all in any of those 10 games? Cat. He was out with a sprained knee. It was Robert Covington and Gorgie Jang and Shabazz Napier and those guys. They led the Wolves to the number two defense over those 10 games, and they won five of them while Cat sat on the bench. So, yeah, let's take a break. What's up, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle is a brand new program here at Blue Wire where you can host your very own podcast. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discords, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your stuff all pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those good places. The listening platform is all out there. And you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate any other hosting site will charge you um, just for initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. The Wolves have one more game before the All-Star break on Wednesday against the Hornets. And they got to start figuring it out. I mean, I'm obviously nowhere near ready to say that Chris Finch doesn't know what he's doing on X's nose as a coach because that's just not true. No reason to think that. But similarly to my biggest gripes with Saunders, I think the problem thus far with Finch as a coach is that he's struggling to manage the rotations. You know, Saunders' fault with the rotations were often that he just sort of had a blind belief in his players, running out groups of guys that he believed would be greater than the sum of their parts. And I think Finch's fault is different with the rotation, but it's also been a fault. He's, also, he's just kind of, you know, throwing darts. Which, you know, to some extent, I understand it. You know, to some extent, it's been, you know, it's been a mess. And, and he, he's, he's figuring out lineup combinations. But it, it, 
at the same time, it's bizarre to me how he's leaned into the players that were struggling before he got here, and he's straying away from some of the players that were having success. Jaden McDaniels played seven minutes tonight before picking up two minutes of garbage time at the end of the game. Nine minutes played tonight. Nas Reed only played 13 minutes. Why? I understand you're searching for things, but why at the cost of two of the brighter young pieces on the roster? Not just prospect guys, guys who were, were helping produce wins. Why is Okogi playing 19 minutes while McDaniels plays seven? Layman played 30 minutes tonight. Layman played well, but it just feels like a weird allocation to choose. Culver played more than McDaniels. You know, the 10 guys to play just feels pretty obvious, you know, with Beasley out. And it doesn't feel like it, it's a group of 10 guys that would be hard to find a balance with either. Why not just Cat and Nas at center? Vanderbilt and McDaniels at power forward, but also with some Nas minutes in there, you know, at power forward so he can be next to Cat. And then Akogi and Lehman at small forward, with McDaniels also getting some minutes there at small forward. Edwards and Noel at shooting guard, and then Rubio and McLaughlin at point guard. That's 10 players. Why not that? I mean, okay, maybe you got to see Culver back some. I get that. But squeeze him then into the 11th man slot. Why is McDaniels the 11th man? Why Why is McDaniels behind Culver? How, how does that make sense? To be fair, I asked Finch about this after the game, and he said not to take too much of the rotations thus far, you know, they are going to change, according to him. Coach, you talked before the game um, about wanting to kind of blend the lineups a little bit. Um, how did you feel that, you know, that that went? And is that something you, you think you're going to want to do going forward? And is is just kind of with the youth, is that where Jaden kind of falls, his minutes fall down a little bit, is in that blend of playing the older players? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I wouldn't read too much into any of the certain rotations that we've got right now. Uh, part of this is some of somewhat of a learning for me, just trying to figure out how these personnel groupings work together. And, um, so yeah, I, I'm not overly, we, I thought we blended the lineup better. I thought we started a rotation a little bit better. I thought, you know, tonight we let Ant run all the way through the quarter. We got cat out a bit earlier um you know with the intention of starting with him in the in the quarter and then um you know we, we i was hoping we could buy a few good minutes to start the fourth before we went back to cat uh but obviously we couldn't are there any new pairings that you've that you've found that you, you've seen that maybe they weren't working before that now you've seen in these two games like this is this is a duo this is a group we're we're going to look to go to a little bit more going forward um, well, I mean, I, I, you know, I do like the, I do like the, uh, the band, the, the bando and the cat lineup. We just got to probably get uh, a little bit more shooting around that. I do certainly recognize that this is beyond an uphill battle for Finch, you know, just given how imbalanced the rosters is not even, you know, to mention the fact that he's getting to know his personnel, I guess I would just say thus far, I haven't really loved much of anything from the rotations other than the fact that the top guys are playing more like cats, not playing 31, 32 minutes. You know, Beasley was playing more than that too. Like that's good, but everything else has been, I don't know, questionable to me. Moving away from the specifics of last night's game, because it's, you know, it's just hard to break down blowouts. Um, I want to, I want to throw a few stray thoughts that came to mind when I was watching Phoenix tonight I think it's only natural to see Dario Saric out there and 
you know, kind of think back to a path that was never taken with this franchise. And by no means am I saying Sarge is a super special player, but Rosa's trading Sarge away on draft night was really right. Like the, it was the first signal of how Rosa's was going in a completely different direction. Obviously Rosa's traded Sarge and the number 11th pick in the 2019 draft for Jarrett Culver at number six. And I, I don't even want to totally re-litigate that move, you know, outside of noting what Culver has been. I mean, he's now played 81 games in the NBA. Tonight was his 81st game. And in those 81 games, he's shooting 48% from two, 29% from three, and 49% from the free throw line. 81 games. And similar to everything else with this franchise, I understand it's been a weird year and a half that Culver's been in the league. That certainly needs to be acknowledged. But it also needs to be acknowledged that it's been a really bad year and a half. I also want to note one other thing with Sarge that I came across, and it was when I was going back digging through the 10-game stints of time where I found whatever the other 5-5 five and five stat before. Um, I also came across a Dario stint, and that was the first 11 games after the Jimmy Butler trade. Covington and Sarge came in, and the Wolves were immediately good. Really good. This was the only time the Wolves have been legit good for a 10-game stretch in three years. Go back. They went eight. They went eight and three. Those first eleven games after those guys were traded, they were outscoring opponents by eight point six points per one hundred possessions. They had the third best net rating in the league over those eleven games. They only ranked sixteenth on offense over that run, but they made their hay defensively. They ranked third defensively over that stretch. Those eleven games were the best stretch of defensive basketball the Timberwolves have had with Cat on the floor since Cat was drafted. They were a good team with a good defense for that month, and Cat was a part of it. Tibbs did with that group what he is doing with his Knicks team currently. My final straight thought after watching Phoenix is about Chris Paul. And as I'm watching Chris Paul for the first time in a Phoenix Suns jersey, I'm just thinking about how he's kind of bounced around, right? And it got me thinking about how the Rockets traded Chris Paul to the Thunder you know, prior to the beginning of last season. They traded him in exchange for Russell Westbrook, and the Thunder got Chris Paul and two first-round picks. Two first-round picks that are only top four protected, along with two future pick swaps. Chris Paul, two future firsts, and two swaps for Russell Westbrook. What if the Wolves would have traded for Chris Paul? I mean, Paul was clearly, clearly viewed as a very negative contract in that trade at that time. And it's not like Westbrook on a Supermax was some sort of super positive asset that the Rockets you know, got back in exchange. You know, what if the Wolves would have gotten the mix? I know this sounds crazy, but it really isn't crazy. It's not like they didn't have the matching salary. You know, what if they said, we'll give you Andrew Wiggins, and you can keep those two firsts? Wiggins for Chris Paul. Obviously, the Rockets were looking for Westbrook to play alongside Harden. They would not have wanted to pair Wiggins and Harden together, but couldn't the Rockets have you know, then just attached two first to Wiggins and traded him to OKC for Westbrook, make it a three-way trade. I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Like, let's let's not kid ourselves. Like, the Thunder traded for Chris Paul in the first place so that they could get those picks. They weren't trying to, like, build around CP. They wanted the picks. You know, and 
with the Wolves, I mean, what if rather than starting this whole process, you know, what if Rosas would have just gone out and got Chris Paul? You know, how different would have these two years been? I mean, think about not only what Cat would have gained from that, but think about the bullets dodged. I mean, Cat and CP for the past two years. And you dodge the D-Lo bullet, which may actually just be a nuclear bomb considering, you know, the 2021 first that the Wolves attached to Wiggins to get D-Lo. I mean, I know this is very revisionist. I'm not saying I or anyone knew Chris Paul was going to prove to be anything of value. But at the same time, like, if anyone could have known about Chris Paul, wouldn't it have been Gerson Rosas? I mean, he was with... Daryl Morey, he was Morey's second in command when Paul was in Houston. I just I just think it's not that crazy to paint a picture where it's Cat and Chris Paul rather than Devin Booker and Chris Paul. You know, play out the game as you want. But again, the Wolves are seven and twenty eight this season with Cat and whoever, while Booker and Paul are now twenty two and eleven. That's all I got for tonight. Uh, one more game before the All-Star break, and it's a pretty big one. Uh, Anthony Edwards versus LaMelo Ball, round two, this time at Target Center. I'm hoping to get a guest on to chat about those two um, you know, prior to the game on Wednesday. So that will probably be the next time you hear from me on Tuesday afternoon, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> we're going to keep doing this. Amidst all the mess, there is, there's still plenty to talk about. We have the all-star break. We got the trade deadline coming around. We're learning about this Chris Finch era. And I'm going to keep talking about it. So I will be back to talk to you on Tuesday. We'll get into some Ant LaMelo. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody.